Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak and I'm a certified financial planner practitioner. This is a show for you to help you understand your money better. We look at the stock market and what makes it go up and down. We look at financial legislation that can impact your bottom line. In the Plan Your Prosperity segment, we take a deeper look into a financial planning topic to help you understand it. And finally, in the Ask Peggy segment, that's your opportunity to ask me a question. So if you'd like to submit a question to the show, go to askpeggy.com, that's A-S-K-P-E-G-G-Y.com, and you'll see a button where you can submit your question then I'll be in contact with you and get some more details if I need them and then craft an answer that can be educational for our listeners and hopefully useful for you as well. So let's get started with the Bulls and Bears market and economic update. And I'm taping this show on Monday, June 29th, and the market data is as of the close of business on June 26th, which was the last Friday of the quarter. And I thought today we would look at the quarterly data as well as the year-to-date data, since most of you will be listening to the show once we're into the new quarter, and I hate to have information that's unbelievably late. So I decided I'd cut the quarter short by a couple of days. So if you do pay attention to the business channels and the numbers I give are a little different from the actual numbers, it's because I'm cutting off about two days early of trading. Now, normally that wouldn't be a big deal, but already I see today the market's up over 300 points. So that will cause this quarter's numbers to come in better. So the quarterly numbers have been really, really good. The Dow for the quarter is up over 15%, but it's still down year to date 12.34%. And that shows us just how bad that last section of February and the month of March really were. Because prior to the market decline in February, we had actually been up for the year. But when you add all of that in, even as good as this last quarter was, we're still down over 12% in the Dow. The S&P 500 is in a little better shape. It went over 18% up this quarter. And year to date, it's only down 6.86%. The NASDAQ was up 30% this quarter. And it is now up eight and almost three quarters for the year. And if you heard the show last week, you know that my theory is because the NASDAQ is very technology laden. And one of the sectors that has done remarkably well in the pandemic has been technology because so many people were forced to find a way to work from home. I even have a friend who's a musician who gives lessons, and he's now giving music lessons over Zoom, which you would have really thought wasn't possible right up until the time you had to do it. 
So this has been a very tech heavy environment and year to date, the NASDAQ's up 8.74%. Gold, no surprise, is up about 9.5% for the quarter and up 17.5% roughly percent for the year. So it's done very well. You know, gold is one of those interesting investments. I am not a gold bug like a lot of people are. I'm not saying whether you should or shouldn't buy it because that's not what I do on this show. But I always um, am very interested in people doing a lot of research to make sure they understand what they're buying, they understand what format they're buying it in, and they're aware of any risks. Because I think that the danger in any investment is the risk you don't see. West Texas Intermediate Crude went up almost 75% this quarter. It's still down 37.66% year to date. So um, oil is still just having such a catastrophic year. And as travel is so hesitant, I keep reading these articles about whether or not it's safe to travel. And the general consensus is people don't know. And I have a feeling that that will tamp down any unnecessary travel for a while. Add to that the outbreaks in some popular locations. Add to that the fact that this week, the United States may actually be banned from flying into the EU because our COVID outbreak is not contained and the EU is putting restrictions on who can come to Europe and who can't, we may not make the cut. It will be really interesting to see if that actually happens. And right now I have no reason to think it won't. And what impact that has not only on the travel industry, but on the stock market. Because it's a pretty big wake-up call when Americans are not allowed to go somewhere because we're being seen as unsafe. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out, and that will no doubt impact the oil and gas prices as well. Now, the part of the show, because I'm really trying to not just give you guys market data, but to talk a little bit about things to help you understand the market, I want to talk about the 10-year treasury yield, okay? So it's a 10-year treasury, um, treasury bond, and the yield is the interest that it pays. So this quarter, the interest dropped by a little over 20%, and year-to-date, the interest has dropped 127%. So the interest on the treasury is down. And generally, when you're looking at treasuries, when you're looking at any fixed income, they don't typically quote the price, they quote the yield. So they don't quote what you pay for the bond, they quote how much interest you get off of it. Now, let's say that you own a bond mutual fund, and I'm using this bond only as an example, okay? This is not an endorsement or a recommendation that I'm telling you to go buy it. But the AGG is a fairly popular aggregate bond fund that's an exchange-traded fund. Okay, so it's an index, it's an aggregate bond, and it's a really good kind of proxy to talk about the bond market with. So I keep talking about bonds going down, and yet if you owned the AGG, it went up in price 2% this quarter, and year-to-date it's up 5%. Why is that? because there's two different components and it's really easy to start 
comparing apples and oranges. The price of the bond funds as the interest rates have dropped, the price of the bond funds has gone down, which means the price of the bonds has increased. Why? Because the bonds that exist in your bond fund right now have a higher yield than the new bonds that have been issued. So making the math easy, let's say that the 10-year treasury is paying 2% and they do a 50 basis point cut or half a percent. So now new treasuries are paying one and a half percent. So since they issue at the same price, if you have a 2% bond and the new bonds pay one and a half, your bond's worth more because it pays half a percent more. Now, the amount that it's worth is a function of how, um, how long the bond goes what kind of bond it is, and how likely people are to hold it to maturity. If the reverse happened and the bond price dropped, that is a more common way of looking at duration. Duration is the risk of the value of a bond going down because of an increase in interest rates. So say your bond is now paying 2%, but the new bonds are paying 2.5%. So your bond is worth less than the new bond is. So when you're looking at bonds, it's very interesting to look at them from the perspective of duration. How subject are they to interest rate risk? And given how low interest rates are right now, given that the next movement in bond interest rates is likely to be up, not down, understanding how exposed your bond is to that risk becomes important. Additionally, bond funds typically don't fare as well in rising interest rate environments. So it's very important to understand the risk of bonds, how it happens, and how to control it. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And I don't know if you know, but part of the CARES Act, which was the coronavirus legislation passed back a couple of months ago, was allowing people to not take a required minimum distribution, or RMD, from their retirement accounts this year. So if you're retired, you don't have to take a distribution out of your 401k plan. If you're over 72, remember that age changed. It used to be 70 and a half, but some legislation we passed last year raised that age to 72. Additionally, if you have an individual retirement account and you're over age 72, you don't have to take a required minimum distribution. But Congress was in a lot of rush to get this legislation out, and so there's some unanswered questions that the IRS has needed to provide clarification on, and just this week, they clarified how the deferral of the RMD would work, and that's an IRS notice 2020-51, if you want to read the original for yourself, I'll also put the original 
up on the supporting information for both the radio show as well as the podcast. So I'll let you read this for yourself. One of the questions was, what happens if you've already taken your RMD? And what the IRS finally solidified this week is, if you took a required minimum distribution from the 1st of January um, up until people discovered they didn't have to take them, you have until August 31st to put the money back in the account. So if you didn't want to take the RMD, the IRS just makes you do it, you can undo that and you can undo it until August 31st. So it's very important that you talk to your financial planner and your CPA to actually get this process moving and make sure that everyone is on the same page if you're wanting to take care of that. Remember that this was undoing some legislation. You usually had 60 days if you had taken money out of an IRA to put it back in. Well, basically, they've just extended that for a period of eight months. And also, if you had made a like a, a conversion uh, between an IRA and a Roth, you couldn't undo it. Now, everything can be undone through August 31st. So the recharacterization is possible in 2020, as well as not taking the required minimum distribution. Now, in truth, for most people who are retired, this isn't going to change how they've handled their distributions this year. Because most people take distributions because they need the money. So if you're taking a monthly distribution and you need the money, then really all of this is much ado about absolutely nothing. But if you didn't want to take the RMD, or maybe it was an inherited IRA and you really didn't need the RMD, but you had to take it by law, this is your opportunity to undo this and fix it and wait and not take that distribution until next year. Now, something to think about, and again, talk to your financial team and your CPA. But if you sold when the market was low to take the RMD, putting it back in today is putting you in at a significantly higher price if current market levels hold. One of the reasons why they postponed the RMD was to not make people have to sell and take money out when the markets were so messed up. Well, this clarification, if you remember from the last section when we were looking at the market data, this clarification comes after a lot of that damage has been undone. Now, we don't know where markets are going from here, and that's a decision that you need to talk to your financial team about and decide, but be aware that if you sold while it was low and you go back in with prices higher, you've actually still had a bit of a setback and it might impact your decision about whether or not you wanted to put the money back in. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. 
My name is Peggy Doviak, and over the last several episodes of the show, I've been dealing with really heavy topics in this section. We've looked at having a will. We've looked at having disability insurance. We've looked at having your powers of attorney and your end-of-life documents in place. Well, this week is the 4th of July. And even though it's going to be a very strange 4th of July in Norman, where I live, the fireworks display has been canceled because we don't want large crowds of people congregating in a location for any reason. So it looks like there won't be any fireworks in my future this year. And I'm afraid that there may not be any fireworks in your future this year either. However, we will have fireworks again. Surely by 2021, we'll be able to all go to fireworks displays and we'll be able to have a more normal 4th of July. Today, for fun, I wanted to talk about how investments can look a lot like a fireworks display if you're not really careful. So think about what happens with fireworks. You're sitting there, it's dark, there's lots of anticipation, and then suddenly the whole sky lights up and it's beautiful and the crowd oohs and ahs and then suddenly, poof, it's gone and you have a little smoke, but that's really all you have to let you know that the firework had been there. Well, unfortunately, I've seen investments that function a lot like fireworks. They're really popular. Every single person is interested in this investment and it's usually new and it's usually groundbreaking and people are just waiting for it to arrive. And it comes on the scene and it's dazzling and it's impressive. And for a little while, the returns are stellar as magnificent as those fireworks streaming across the sky. And then suddenly, poof, and it's gone. The stock market term for this is bubble. And when you have a bubble, you have an investment that does really well for a while. But the problem with bubbles is they burst. And when they burst, you can get really hurt if you're the last person in. A great example of a stock market bubble, if you'll think back to the year 2000, was the dot-com boom. And I like to use this as an example because it has so many characteristics of stock market bubbles. It was a brand new technology. Now, the truth is the internet did change everything. However, at the time it was all becoming traded, the companies didn't have earnings. And, you know, the word on the street was, oh, companies don't need earnings. This is the new economy. Well, come to find out companies actually needed earnings. And so people got way ahead of their skis and they invested in things and some of the companies ended up making it. A lot of them did not in their original form. And it's been interesting watching them come back in later iterations of those original companies that didn't make it. Remember, many times the pioneers into a new thing don't make it. Remember Commodore personal computers? 
Yeah, they were all the rage, and today the, the company's bankrupt. So you don't want to handle your investment portfolio like it's a stock, like it like it's a fireworks display. Okay, so here's what you want to do instead. You want to be really careful of the latest investing trends. Generally, by the time you see the trend as a retail consumer, and even me as someone who does this for a living, but I'm not one of the big players in Wall Street or Hong Kong or Switzerland. By the time we notice trends, typically the trends have already about half played themselves out. Additionally, even if you think something is great, be very careful buying an initial public offering because a lot of times the IPO price will be much higher than what the stock does over the next month. Now, like any piece of um, recommendation here, there's no guarantee I'm right, okay? You could have an IPO and it could do nothing but go up, but it's not uncommon for IPOs to open the day at a higher price than they close and then do nothing but go down for a few days. So you need to talk to your financial team carefully if you're wanting to get involved in an IPO. Additionally, even though single stocks are glamorous and they're exciting, a good mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund, I'm a huge fan of index funds, gives you a diversification you don't have otherwise. And in your funds, if you want a certain sector because it's on fire right now, you can hold a piece of it, but be very careful that you own the broad market for a lot of what you're buying. Because for people who only bought the NASDAQ back in 2000, it took them forever for their portfolios to come back. If you own the S&P 500 instead, it came back much more quickly. It didn't go up as fast, but then when it went down, it regained its previous high and it started going up because diversification is your friend. And then I hear lots of people say, well, I'm going to hold this until it goes back up to what it was worth because I'm not going to sell something at a loss. And again, maybe that strategy will work. But it's really important that you understand why is it going down? And is the stock losing value for a reason that suggests it might not come back? And especially if it's a stock and not a major index. A major index likely will come back. An individual stock might just go out. Go back and think about the um, dot-com stocks in 2000. This is what drove me into the financial business was my mother was placed in a lot of dot-com stocks, single stocks, by a broker who kept saying, you haven't lost any money until you sell. And so she took the advice and the stocks went bankrupt and she lost it all from those stocks. So be very careful when you're deciding that you're going to hold something that's down. Sometimes it makes sense Sometimes it doesn't. Again, talk to your certified financial planner practitioner. Get some really good input. Try to figure out what you need to do. 
Investing success rarely involves big fads. Investing success is actually really boring. It's investing in high quality things, being well diversified and having a lot of discipline. You know, it's not glamorous, it's not exciting, but it does have a tendency to give you better long-term results. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. Remember, if you'd like to submit a question to the show, go to askpeggy.com, that's A-S-K-P-E-G-G-Y.com, and click the link. While you're there, you might enjoy looking at the blog that I write, other things about me, but in any case, go to askpeggy.com for lots of really cool resources. So this week's Ask Peggy question came from someone who was confused about their retirement plan and they were trying to make an investment choice. And they said, Peggy, I know I have a target date plan and I keep hearing that that plan has a glide path, but I don't know what that means. Can you help me? So Yes, let me explain what a glide path in a target retirement date plan is. And let's start out by making sure that you know what a target retirement date fund is. So a target retirement date fund is a fund, either an exchange traded fund or mutual fund, that is corresponding to the year that you will be 65. And typically target retirement date funds come in five-year segments. So there's a 2020 fund, for instance, if you wanted to retire this year, that would be pretty conservative. Or if you're younger, there's a 2060 fund that has more stocks in it. If you like the diversification, but not the asset allocation of your target retirement date fund, remember you can always raise and lower the risk of the portfolio by choosing dates that are either further in the future for more stock exposure, potentially more stock risk, or dates closer to today or even behind today. So there's still 2015 funds out there, even though 2015 happened five years ago. So over time, the funds become more conservative. And by more conservative, I mean the asset allocation changes from having a stock focus to a bond focus. And remember, bonds have their own risks, but generally, bonds are considered to be less volatile than stocks. How do they make that transition? They make it on a glide path. So the fund manager, remember a target date fund is always going to be actively managed because it's becoming more conservative over time. The fund manager decides the rate at which it should become more conservative. Some glide paths are quite steep, more are others are more gradual. Additionally, the final asset allocation really changes between fund managers. So some of the most conservative funds of one group might have more stock exposure than the more conservative funds of another group. So it's not okay just to choose the target date fund that has your retirement year. I want you to take it one step further than that 
and actually look at the asset allocation. And then look at the asset allocation for people retiring this year or five years ago. How conservative is that? That's going to give you a much better idea of whether or not the fund's asset allocation is what you want to be invested in. Because the funds themselves are a great concept, but they've come under some criticism recently because people don't take the extra step. They just choose the date and they move on. You know that as a financial consumer, you have to do more than that. So when you understand what you're invested in, when you understand how the asset allocation is changing, it makes it a lot easier to make a great decision. Wow, I can't believe we're already out of time again in this week's show. Have a great 4th of July. I'll see you next week. Be prosperous. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.